I would like to tell you a story. Knife Talk is sponsored by Evenheat, the manufacturers of the finest knife treat ovens available. Find your next heat treat oven at evenheat-kiln.com. Welcome to Knife Talk. I'm back. I'm back. Episode 73, hosted by myself, Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives. We've got Jeff Fader of Fader Knives and Mareko Malmasi of Malmasi Fire Arts. We're recording today from three different bits of the planet. So I'm here in France and we've got Jeff and Mareko both in the States, but miles away from each other. And thanks to the joys of the internet, we can all chat. So we do this every week. Um, we put this live every Monday morning. And so we're now on episode 73. So listen back to the old ones. There's lots of lots of good stuff there. And let's get on with today's show. What have you been up to, Jeff? Welcome back, Craig. What have Thank I been you. up to? Yeah, welcome back. Uh, welcome back. Welcome back. Yeah, it's fantastic. I'm, you know what? The last you've week... Been, you've been busy recording episodes of, of Knife Talk. That's what you two guys have been doing. Oh, my God. I tell you <laughs> what. I, the last two episodes of Knife Talk without Craig were, were fun. They were different, but they were exhausting. And after every one, I thought, thank God he's coming back. He, I hope he comes back. I tell you what. We had such a good time with uh, the last last episode with Neil Camor. We'll talk more about that. It was really awesome. Um, but in regards to what I've been doing, I've been dealing with, uh, you know, the kind of problems that you don't have any control over, like, uh, human resource problems. I've had, uh, I had a guy come in to help me and I'm sure a lot of you guys in metal shops have known guys like this, you know, they show up and they want to be helpful and they, they show you the things that they do and they pop in all the time. And then every so often you're just like, all right, what? So this guy who comes in around every, he just shows up. He happens to look like he's got a bald head and a beard, and he has like uh, sun bleached clothing. He looks like a, a uh, he looks like a uh, a tennis pro that's been washed up on a deserted island, and <laughs> and uh, he stops by. He makes knives, and I, you know he's a little bit down on his luck. And I try to help him every so often, and recently I asked him to. He came in. I said, hey, "Listen, I got a little. I got a couple of bucks. Why don't you come in and help me tomorrow?" He makes knives, so mm. he comes in the next day, and boy, he complained the whole time. I was having him hand sand, and he was like, "Oh, the vice is too high, and oh, this is really hard, and why is it so hard?" And I better, I better take a break and have some potato chips. These potato chips are going to make me work harder. And I'm looking at him like, "What? What?" And I, and I, you know, I, I said to him, I'll give you 70, I'll give you three quarters of it. You know, you want to work till three, I'll, I'll, I'll pay you. Right. Hmm. And this vice is too high. You have more light here. And every time oh, he asked for something, geez. it was as if that thing I'm going to fix is going to make him work faster and better. And he just complained the whole time. And he did a, a, a relatively mediocre to lousy job. And then oh I paid him. And then he, every time he comes over, yeah, I always give him a scrap, scraps of steel here, that thing. He'd been eyeballing this leaf spring I had lying around. I said, ah, you can, when, when you're done, you can take the leaf spring with you. So at the end of the day, he only hand sanded, you know, one, one and a half knives, which was really not, you know, not going to happen for the most part. And then he's eyeballing that leaf spring. I said, all right, take the leaf spring. 
So he leaves. He just complained the whole time. I mean, it was like nonstop. I said, I don't know why you came here if you're just going to complain all the time. And he's like, well, you know, maybe if you give me five, if I work for a week, I'll get better at this. I'm like, dude, I, well, you're barely going to make it to the day. I'm not hot. I'm not bringing you back. And then, oh, and, and then he left, and I was grateful. And the next day, he came back, and he says, "I wonder if I could have that second pair of leaf springs." I'm like, "You can get the fuck out. What you could do, it's <laughs> over, man. No more pop. Throw them at him. No more pot. No more oh, poppins. No more poppins. No <laughs> more asking for help. No more bitching and complaining. I can't take it in my life. So that I had to deal with that, among other things. Bring and back I, Carl. Bring back Carl. Yeah. That's what I say. Carl, I, I tr Carl, Carl is off to better things. He's he's in college now, and I'm thrilled for that. And and then then the, you know that was one thing. And then I had other things. I want to bore you with them. And then uh, I'm getting ready to go to Barcelona in a couple days. I'm gonna go see Tomer at Florentine Knives. We're gonna teach two classes, and I believe I'm gonna meet Craig for the first time face to face. I'm coming. I'm coming. Yes. Right. Well, don't isolate yeah. that. Don't I? Don't isolate that part of the soundtrack. But you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, you know, come on, man. Was that French sex music? <laughs> yeah. French <laughs> sex music. <laughs> I love. Yeah, that's. You know what? That was the perfect expression for that little bit. The French sex music. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh god we have too many 13 and 14 year olds listening we gotta calm we gotta calm down so there we go so i'm getting ready to go out to barcelona and uh you know try to button a few things up before i go cool cool bring some sunscreen Ugh. it is hot i hear i hear i, I hear uh i hear tomer's got air conditioning so i'm not gonna worry about it Ah, oh, there you go. High there level you go. over there. A high level. Tomer, <laughs> high level, man. A high level Barcelona. You got you got air conditioning going on. I'm 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 lapse of luxury. Uh, what about you, Maraco? What what's been going on? Oh man, it has been a bit of. <laughs> there have been some serious highs and lows this last week. So wow. I, I forged out. I set up this this billet and forged out this great mosaic blade. Uh, I was actually really proud of myself <clears throat> because I was actually I was able to get this giant blade out of not a lot of material, and it, it came out really nice and forged really close to dimension. I was definitely scared that uh, I, you know I might have forged it too close, but it went really well. I got to swing my uh, my new hilltop uh, forge hammers. Um, man, they are really sweet to swing on. Uh, and then getting through the grinding, and the damn thing has a little bit of a weld flaw, but I was like, oh, well, maybe I can work this out through finish grinding and hand sanding. Kept going, kept going. Wouldn't go away. Uh, and uh, this is kind of a, a similar situation to what you had going on before, Jeff. And um, and it just wouldn't go away. And I, I took it. I just did all the hand sanding and everything to take it up to what it would be basically for the finish. And did the finished etching and stuff on it, and still, it was just not. It, it was to me, it was glaringly obvious that it was there. And there was, you know, sometimes there are little teeny tiny microscopic flaws in in the mosaic, and that's just part of the. It's it's not an issue with the structure of the steel. It's mm. not going to be anything that affects the performance. It's it's more at that point about the overall aesthetic, and this one is just too much to. Uh, to overlook so unfortunately i had to start over on that uh. which i yeah so yeah i'm like 
Oh, let's see. I'm probably about 20 hours in on that. And now you got an even nicer wind chime now, right? You know, one more nice to add to your wind chime. Yeah. That's that's the wind chime you have to sell at Sotheby's. Sotheby's wind chime. (laughs) Sotheby's wind chime. Yeah, so I welded up some material yesterday and forged it out uh, as well. And so on Monday, uh, right? Or sorry, on today, on today, today I'm gonna be, uh, (laughs) I'm gonna be grinding through that uh, and finish. Or actually, I'm gonna finish the heat treat, grind through it, and uh, take a look at it and see how it came out. Um, I'm I'm pretty confident at how solid it is, but now it's a question of the pattern. If the pattern actually came out the way I wanted it to. Um, which is always a little bit of a uh, another part of the equation for me. Uh, but other than that, I did some fun stuff. I, I strapped on a headlamp, or as as Craig would say, a torch uh, to the front of my mask, and that his. I got a huge, uh, just a huge response regarding that. I don't know if you guys saw, it, but basically, it just strapped it onto the front of my respirator. And it puts light right on my grinding platen, right where I want it. And that way I don't have to worry about lights either above or behind me or right beside my face. It's just right on the front of my mask, and it's projected straight at the, the platen. It's, it's been an awesome addition. I don't think it's perfect, but um, I, I think what would be most ideally actually is on the outside of the cans or on the outside of the filters for the light to be shooting straight at the at, uh, the platen from there. That mm. way it's not in the way of my quick latch, uh, kind of like quick release open on my mask, which, by the way, is a 3M quick latch. I had some people asking me about that. If anybody's listening and you don't know what it is, it's a 3M quick latch. You can get them off Amazon for like 15 16 bucks. I actually got to buy a new one. Do, do you feel that weight of the, of the torch on the <gasps> front? No, it's just a little cheapo I got from Harbor Freight, and the thing probably weighs... Uh, an ounce. Ah, oh, right. Um, okay. It's a great idea. So it it's a great it idea. It doesn't weigh anything. And then I think the last thing, or second last thing, all right, so I mapped out also some thicknesses on blades uh, on on that knife that ended up. Oh, that was awesome. That, that looked great. That looked really great. Yeah. I, I can't remember if that was here, if somebody had sent me a DM. I feel like it was here that somebody had asked about dimensions, like the cross sectional dimensions of, the, of a knife. Um, but anyways, I, I mapped it out just for um, just for my own information, and I thought it'd be helpful to share with other people as well. And so, um, and that's with an S grind. I had a lot of people asking, "Is, is that an S grind or is that a flat grind?" I'm like, "No, no, no, it's definitely an S grind." And show it so it shows how the S grind really reduces the cross sectional dimension higher up into the blade, so that. It's just ultimately you have a thinner blade overall when you're cutting through stuff, which for me is perfect because you're reducing that cut friction. And then the final thing is we we got all of the calendars mailed out. Uh, what is this? Not express priority. So in a few days, uh, calendars should actually start showing up on oh, people's uh, nice. doorstep. And uh, I got some. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just really excited for everybody to get them. And um, I. I actually had this funny idea of like next year a blade show if people carry them around with them. They can have all the different pictures signed by the different makers. It's a good idea. Be, um, but anyways, because really by good that time idea. The, cal- the calendar would be dead. Yeah, and then people then go tear those out and put them up around your shop or something like that. Otherwise, you know, if you don't care about that, whatever. But uh, it just made me think of like a yearbook, basically. That's uh, a fucking that's good idea. 
that's what I've been up to. It would be, week. you know what? It would be cool if you had next year's for people to buy at Blade. Then they can go around and get the signatures of the same year. Mm. Yeah, we were talking. We were talking about that's that. Actually, a good idea, dude. Good idea. Yeah. Don't throw out your calendars. Get them signed. That's actually, a great cut, idea. Greg, cut that out of the cut that out of the podcast. I don't want anybody stealing it. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> oh man, you kidding me? Everyone steals everything in this community. Let's let's just be clear. Yeah. Don't worry about that. People are thieves. This you're talking to the biggest thieves on the planet. If somebody turned up trying to sell a calendar at Blade next year, I think they'd be ushered out. No, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised either. Bunch of thieves. Thieves. <laughs> I'm a, I'm behind you. I'm behind you 100%. I appreciate. It. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate it, you guys. And uh and I, I just want to thank everybody again for all of your help and support with the calendar. It's it's the response was really awesome and I am really excited. Like I said for everybody to get these calendars and um get them on their walls and put them to use and all that good stuff. Uh cool. I have a quick funny story and talks talk turning about thieves and I'm going to I'm going to this is a funny story. Not really about thieves, but kind of about thieves. We all know that Jared Thatcher is my friend. I talk to Jared once a week. I like Jared Thatcher. I call him the Kentucky Stooge with peace and love. I love that guy. So I got a funny story, and this made me so happy. So I made those meat turners, and then a lot of people started making the meat turners, and some of them gave me credit, some of them didn't. I didn't really need the credit, but I, my eyes were open. And Jared made, a, <laughs> Jared made a meat turner, and then he made a meat turner out of a wrench, and then he posted, he's, he posted, he's like, hey, Fader, we're going to start a new company. We're going to call, what are we going to call it? Our, our new, you know, and I'm, we were joking back and forth, whatever, whatever. It inspired him. He was fired up. I, anything people do to get fired up is funny. So we got an email <clears throat> and he made one out of a wrench. So he got an email. I got an email. Well, Tony got an email that he forwarded to me. And somebody said, hey, I, look, I saw the meat turner you made <clears throat> out of a wrench and I was wondering if you could make me one. And Tony, Tony wrote to me, he's forwarded to me. He's like, did we make one out of a wrench? And I said, no, no, no. That was Jared. And then I wrote back, tell him I'll make him the meat turner. Tell him I'll make another wrench. Tell him I made that. And then we'll make it. We're going to make him the I'll never do it. But in general, but now I'm going to do it. So I said, I'm going to call up Jared and tell him I'm taking money out of his pocket. <laughs> I was so happy. I would never make a meat turner out of a wrench. And I called him Just up. Just to I, spite Jared. I'm taking this job out of spite. So I called up Jared and I'm like, I am so happy to tell you somebody confused you, your wrench meat turner, but that, they thought I made it. And I know you made it. Instead of pushing it to you, I'm taking it because you're taking my shit. I'm taking money out of your pocket. I was so happy. We had such a good laugh. He he was he laughed so hard. I'm like I'm doing it. I'm making this fucker out of spite. I'm so happy. He laughed. We laughed Cost so price. hard. Yeah, like I'm. I'd never do it out of a wrench. But I'm like ah. But you're not. I, I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna do it because you're not gonna do it. That's what I'm gonna say. So I I thieved back on him. Oh. Was, I was so happy. I was so happy. Spite is the best sometimes. There's your quote for the. There's your quote for the. There's your quote for the podcast, Greg. Spite is the best. <laughs> Spite is the best. Sometimes. Sometimes. All right. Nice. What nice. have you been up to, Craig? You've been. You've been AOL for AOL. You've been. You're so fucking senile. Ah, you've been AOL. A W O L. A W O L. I've been A W O L. 
I, I got three weeks of news, I suppose. So um, things have changed quite quite dramatically for me. The, the way I work over the last, I'd say, over the last six months, um, I've been doing less and less um, sort of customer one to one orders and doing a lot more restaurant stuff. So you know, two dozen knives, that kind of thing, and generally table knives, steak knives, that kind of thing. And and that's just really taken off, and and I'm I'm enjoying that because it fits with with my life here with the with the twins because it's it's trying to sort of change things around so everything is almost done like a factory. So I'm doing big batches of heat treats, big batches of grinds because I'm offering everybody the same knife. Basically, the the, the handle material, the handle finish will be different, you know, per restaurant, but the actual blade itself is the same. So I'm just getting hundreds at a time, um, laser cut out, profiled out. I then get them, but I do all the heat trees, I do all the grinding, do all the finishing, and all the rest of it. Um, so it's it's been a case of changing the way that I do things massively. But three, it must have been three weeks ago now, I was invited to visit a chef. Um, a mass, I, I sort of alluded to this in the past, a massive, massive hero of mine. He's got six Michelin stars. Um, six. Six. And he, he doesn't have big, big chains of restaurants. He's got, he's got like four restaurants. One's got three stars, one's got two, and another one's got one. Um, okay. It's like, I didn't know one restaurant could get six. <laughs> no, three is the maximum you could ever you're have. Adding, so. adding yeah. them all up. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So... So went to visit him, um, and things have changed again massively. So uh, you know, I'm pr- providing his restaurant with knives, which is great, and that was the purpose of the of the visit. Um, but he has just come out of a contract with. Um, he had a signature series knife, which was which was factory belt. He was never happy with it from day one, and he's just come out of the contract. Um, and he wants something which is sort of quasi hand belt so it's part factory belt part hand belt so and i've got the job so wow. basically i'm going to be doing wow. his signature series knife so it's going to be cut in a factory um profiled in a factory comes to and he treated it comes to me he treated blank i then do the uh all the grinds um all the finish work all the handle material um, and this guy is known for being sort of eccentric in the way he does things. He, he's, he's a mad – I'm not going to say his name, but I think most of you will know, certainly in the UK, if I say, you know, he's a bit of a mad scientist, you'll then know who he is. Um, we've we've had this special handle material made. So we, we talked for some length over a few weeks and sent in samples to him and we had chats, that kind of thing. Uh, we didn't want wood um, simply because it's, you know, it's not as durable even if it's – if it's been stabilized and so on, there's, there's always the chance that it, it's not going to sort of stand up to things. And this guy is demanding, completely demanding. So we're like, okay, well, so I explained that, you know, G10 or, or maybe even a molding we could do, which I wasn't too keen on because that puts it back in the factory side of things. Right. Um, so we ended up, we ended up finding this company and basically what they're doing for us is they're taking recycled food packaging. So you've got your recycling at home. But most people don't know. You know those black liners that that meat goes in. You know those those black trays. Styrofoam. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well. Well. There's like the plasticky version of that. That that doesn't actually recycle because there's there's some stuff in it to make it black that it can't be recycled normally. Mm. So we found a company that will take all this food packaging. They put it under extreme extreme pressure. And they make blocks, so it's so it's like a G10, but there's no resin involved at all. Huh. 
So there's no no extra petrochemicals oh, wow. being used. So there's the original petrochemicals where they made the tray. But, you know, that's been used now. That would just go in landfill. So we're taking them and we're getting them crushed and to, to such an extreme um, amount that it becomes a hard block again. So we've got basically yeah. sheets of G10 made from recycled food packaging. Wow. So it's like um, heating and fusing them. Exactly, exactly. So there's no resins oh, involved. So it's actually better than a G10 because, you know, the resins can't fail. You know, it's it's this stuff is amazing. So it's completely waterproof, extreme temperatures it can handle from, you know, very cold temperatures to very high temperatures, basically extremes. Um very easily machinable. Um, it doesn't chip like like a Perspex wood or anything. This stuff is incredible. So, so that's the handles on the chef knives. What and, colors? Are gonna, uh, what color are they going to be? We're not. There's no dye involved at all. So it is black. But where where we where we get this stuff from? Some of it's still got like stickers on, like meat packing stickers and things like that. So when it's ground into chips you will get these little bits of white in as well and little bits of where the stick. So oh, it cool. looks, so each one is completely individual, but it's, it's mainly black. So we're, we're calling it charcoal because it's got these little bit, you know, it's not a jet black. It, this stuff is beautiful. This stuff is beautiful. So we've Ooh. been experimenting with other stuff, you know, you, you know, old carrier bags, getting them turned into a material as well. So I've got a bunch of these materials that I've had sent through just this week as samples. Um, and I'm just I'm just loving it because it's it's quite grippy as well. It's 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 the perfect material. It's it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I love that you're doing this because that's one of the issues we've talked about it when we're about you know plastic in general. We've yes. got to figure out how to do something with some of this garbage. Without a doubt, and I think particularly um, you know professional chefs you know working in professional kitchens, they see how much junk is just being thrown out. So they, there's responsibility on them as well. So this sort of you know it's it's not much. It's a drop in the ocean, but it, it does negate. It's the way I look at it is we're not making things worse. We're making things slightly better. You know, we're, it, we're, you know the whole leave no trace thing. It's it's slightly better than leave no trace because we're actually taking some shit and making it into usable again. Um, so we're even looking at the steels that we're using. We're making sure they're they're being as produced as it's a difficult one, but as ethically as possible. Even the steel, and you know the the miles that the, the steel travels. We're trying to make so everything is going to be as well less of a carbon footprint. Exactly, ecologically sound as as possible, and you know that's important to him. It's important to me. Um, my my work is becoming much more um, about turning, basically turning into a mini factory of just replicating the same thing over and over again, right. which I do quite enjoy doing because that you know you can make these tiny little changes that can make a huge difference, um, and it's very very different to you know let's let's take Morocco for example you can spend a month hand forging this this beautiful beautiful thing um we're both knife makers but it's a world away from what i do you know and and certainly from the, from the way i'm going as well which is becoming more and more uh, sort of industrialized i suppose True. so business yeah it's yeah it, it's it's all it's all change um but yeah what i meant to say about what i'm really excited about this knife is his one of his restaurants, the one with the three stars, it's known for um, very. So you, there's no menu. You go, everybody has what they call the itinerary, and that's you know it's it's 18 courses. Everybody has the same, and it's a whole journey, and it's there's sounds and smells involved. It's 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 crazy. So he likes to personalize things as much as possible. So if if you've booked to eat in the restaurant, you'll get a phone call a couple of weeks before you're due to go in. 
and they'll just ask you about your favorite experiences and they just want to know a bit about you oh and one of the courses they'll try and sort of make personalized to you in some way oh i mean for, for me i always These remember as a kid crazy. it is it is crazy. it is it's a different world it's crazy but i always remember as a kid coming to france for the first time my grandparents brought me over and i remember um having just like a roast chicken from like a you know rotisserie chicken and it had all these amazing herbs in it and you know the sun was shining and it just tasted the best thing ever i've never been able to recreate that i don't know couldn't work out what the herbs were and all the rest of it. So, you know, they'll hear an experience that you've had like that and they'll then try and make the best version of that for you. So, you know, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible what they do. So the personalization is going to go even down to I'm making table knives for them. We're going to be asking people their shoe size, <laughs> which sounds mental. So we're going to ask people their shoe size. A shoe size is a good picture of hand size. Oh, my God. Why don't you dick size? Well, (laughs) basically, you're going to be presented with a knife that will fit your hand. And and the point is, you may not even know. And that's what they're not. They they don't want to make a big thing of this. You know, you may not even know, but you will notice if it doesn't. You know, if, if, if you've got a knife and it's really uncomfortable or the handle's too long, you'll think, what the hell is this? So, yeah, it's like it's the fine detail that they do so well. So, yeah, so I'm making a bunch of knives and a bunch of sizes for the table knives. Um, and oh, they'll be okay. All right, for the table knives, you're going to say, Pardon me, madam, how big is your foot? Well, <laughs> exactly what's happening. Um, but also, the chef knives we're going to do in three sizes a petite, a regular, and a grand. Um, and that is with size regards to weight, size, and, and so on. So, it's yeah, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be very, very interesting. Very interesting. I'm excited Actually, for you. This is yeah. incredible. Congratulations. Big news. Big news. That sounds great. So it's been a crazy three weeks. So hence me not being on the show because I've been flying back to the UK for meetings and, and and all the rest of it. So, But I'm back. I'm back. I'm back in France roasting my nuts off. <laughs> I'm ready right. for a show. Right. This is Marco Malmasi reporting for KTP News. Uh, no. Uh, so oh, you are. This is a portion of, yeah, what's that? You are. I like, yeah, I, yeah. like uh, I like, uh, I like Anchorman Mareko. I love it. Anchorman. <laughs> uh, this is a portion of the show where we just kind of drop some of the other news that we got going on outside of just what we've been doing last week. Um, and so we're going to kick it off talking to, kind of doing a little recap about Neil being on the show. It was really incredible. And we want to thank him again for jumping in and helping out while Craig was out. And, uh, yeah, it was just, it was in a really, I, you know, going back and listening to it, it was just, it was a really good conversation. We covered a lot of ground. There was a lot of versatility in that episode. And, uh, I just, again, I just want to say thank you to him being on here and and talking about his new collaborative and everything else that he's got going on. It was was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. And he brought the listeners, he brought the listeners. So looking at the stat, the stats for each show, up until now, the, the the biggest listen to show that we'd done was was my interview with Neil, which was way over a year ago. That was the biggest show that we we'd done to date. Um, this one had more in that first week. We had fifty eight thousand listeners. So fifty eight thousand people have started the stream to listen, whether it was on uh, Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, or what Overcast, whatever you use. Fifty eight thousand. That that's got to be more than just knife makers. 
there's got to be people out there listening who who never made a knife in their life. It's crazy. Blows my mind. You know, yeah. I got more messages after Neil's episode than ever, and it was from friends of mine and people who you know DMs and. It was the one thing people said besides where's Craig is they said, I never thought I never knew much about Neil. You know, Neil portrays himself as a quiet, you know, Japanese Conan. You know, he looks fantastic and he's got a long hair and he's chopping stuff and he's very like he's got a he's very elegant in, in his movement and everything like that. But he didn't say a whole lot. He was so thoughtful. And, and people were just like, I never knew, I never knew how thoughtful the guy was. And it's true. He's respectful. He covered everything. He talks about his respect for other knife makers and the kind of his, his growth and his learning and how humble he is and what he's trying to do and giving back. And I tell you what, I was, I, I was, a lot of people were very surprised and saying, I am now, I, I didn't really know what was going on with him. Now I'm a fan. So it was great. I mean, he was he was terrific. He could wake up at three o'clock yeah. in the morning to, to to fuck around with us, you know. Uh, do you know? I could when I was editing that show, I could hear. I think he had some whiskey on the go. There was something on the rocks there. You could hear it every now and again, just twinkling away. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, it's probably tea. He's actually not really a drinker. Ah, oh, right. Okay. Well, yeah. I tell you what. That episode, and it was three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, that episode was definitely. Uh, I mean, it was a highlight. He's just a great guy. I was, you know, his story is fantastic, and you know, it was. Uh, Oh, look, it was very inspiring to a lot of people. Now I'm hoping we kind of like not be so inspiring and be a little shitty, but that's my own opinion. Really so inspiring. whenever the rating, whenever the ratings go low, I'll take a week off and then just boost the ratings again. Uh, look, we'll call Neil. We'll call Neil. We, so we got to keep the people. We can't see pe- people don't realize now. All of a sudden, there's all these new listeners. They're expecting every episode to be like Neil Cabamora style. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta let them know there's gonna be a, there might be a precipitous drop off. So we're, yeah. uh, you, know, you know, we're going to, we're going to, I don't know. This one we might just, welcome back, Craig. Let's fuck around. Dick jokes resume. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Excuse me, madam. I'm building your knife. How big is your dick? <laughs> That's, there's the quote. There's the quote. Eight inches, including the tip. Uh, P.S. People don't use uh, millimeters when we're talking about measuring dicks, by the way. So all you guys, when you guys talk about all your, all your, you know, millimeters are the way to go. You ain't, you ain't using that when you're old when you're measuring the old Sachich. Come on, tell the truth. <laughs> other news, we've got other news. So this weekend is is Knives UK, which is the uh, knife coming together in the UK. Um, it's been going on for years, and people get there and they sell their knives, and you know it's a big sort of knife show. Um, but we mentioned um, weeks and weeks ago about a, a UK maker, um, Lee Bennett, who unfortunately passed away. Um, but somebody's actually made um, an award, which will be the uh, Lee Bennett um, Memorial Award, which they want to give out to somebody within the community. So that was Ant, Ant Hart from 7K Metalworks, and he makes these awesome sort of tools for knife makers, that kind of thing. He's made this beautiful, beautiful award, um, which he's going to be given out well, actually today. So by the time you listen to this podcast, there will be a winner for this. But I think it's just a, a beautiful, beautiful thing to do. So it'll sort of commemorate you know lee's work and i think each year is going to be passed on to somebody else so somebody else who's, who's you know helped others within the community so yeah so thank you very much for that and i think it's, it's a beautiful thing that you're doing and um yeah i'm excited to find out who the winner is 
Very cool. Very cool. Any more news? Not that I know of. Okay. We'll go to the weather. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, speaking of weather, weather I tell you what, everybody sends me their weather report from all over the goddamn world. I'm getting pictures of people in their cars, and they send me pictures of their what how hot it is. Florida is. I was responsible for that this week. Oh, my God. Yeah. Everybody. I mean, but I've been getting it for months now. You know, Ed Jitz and Jonathan Porter, and they all they all like to send me how hot it is down there in Florida. So You know what? I, I posted up this thing. It was, I think it was like 45 degrees or something. My car was registered at, which is, well, close to 120 in Fahrenheit. Oh, my God. Oh my and, God. Uh, and I get messages from people saying, that's not even hot in Australia. We have it this hotter. And it's just, oh, well, okay, you may have it hotter, okay. But for me, this is bloody hot. Ugh. It's just, it's been, yeah. Everybody's a, everybody's a topper. Everybody's a topper. Yeah. They love yeah. to, oh, that, that's not snow. You kidding me? That's not <laughs> <Yeah>. snow. <laughs> Leave me alone. I'm telling so you, I'm, I'm taking a picture of my misery in degrees. So leave me alone. I'm glad you said misery there. <laughs> what are you talking? <laughs> yeah, excuse me, madam. I'm making you a knife. Can you measure your misery? <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about our first sponsor. It is Clarix Metalworks. Um, Clarix, um, C L A R Y X, metalworks.com. They make this fantastic grinder. I've got one. It's the BG Pro, it's their version two. Um, it does everything. It's horizontal. It's vertical. It's got a VFD. You know, you configure it exactly how you want it. You can even pick the color. It's incredible. They're shipping all over the world. They're, they're European built. Um, everything is built within the factory. Everything, even the wheels. It's crazy. So they're European built, but they are shipping world, world worldwide. They've got amazing shipping rates. So go and have a look. It's clarixmetalworks.com. And if you use the promo code KNIFETALK5, you're also going to get 5% off your grinder too. So so go take a look. They're very affordable. They're very flexible. And they're going to ship anywhere you want. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? <laughs> All right, here we are. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? This is the time of the show where we ask you, if you're, if you're, if you're following us on Instagram, Knife Talk Podcast, probably halfway through the week, we usually ask, DM us your questions. And if they're short short and good and we haven't done them a million times we'll put them on the podcast so that i will i'm going to just say that one more time because i've said it a few times you got to really try to if you want to get the question on don't send me the magna carta you send me the magna carta i read it for a minute and i'm like i we ain't reading this one so with that said let's start asking some listen to your question who cares we'll do some more your questions all right the first, hey man, can I ask you a question, comes from At The Knife Gentleman. Hey man, can I ask you a question? Do you have any tips or secrets on how I can improve on making a satin finish to my knives? Thanks. Guy wants to make satin finish, wants to do a nice satin finish, and what do you think is that uh, we can talk about satin finish? What do you think, guys? I think it's going to depend on the sort of level of your game. Um, again, going back to how I do things very differently to Jeff and Morocco, um, I use belts. So my satin finish is done now on a belt. It's I'm, I'm doing very little hand rubbing now. So I'm using surface conditioning belts. Um, I know Jeff isn't the biggest fan of these because he said they don't last too long. Um, but I find if you go lightly, they, they'll last nicely. So if you get a, finish off with your, your grinds, get a nice finish on your grinds. Um, I take mine to about 220. 
Um, and I then, if there's any sort of serious scratches, I'll then do that by by hand with something really rough, maybe go down to sort of 150 paper, something like that. But then I'm now doing all of my finishing on the shock horror, but on 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 the grinder. And I'm shock just using sur- surface conditioning belts. And it's a nice finish. It's a, it's a nice satin finish. Okay, my um, my grind lines or my what, what's it called? These you know the, the your finishing lines. You know it's scratch it's pattern. Yeah, my scratch pattern um, won't go um, horizontal. It goes vertical. But if you're using basically, I use the the, the four different types of well, Scotch Bright belt. I suppose they are. Um, so it goes brown, maroon, blue, gray. Um, and it gives you a nice satin finish. It's not, it's not a hand rubbed finish admittedly. Um, but when you've got, you know, 30 knives to do within three days, it's, it's more than good enough. It's more than good enough and they'll stand up. So it's, it's not a case of this is just a surface finish. And once you start using the knives, it's going to look shitty. This is, this is, this is the finish and it works well. I I don't know why I, what I don't like. I, I, I think that the hard part is, is. With my knives, I have a plunge line, and what the mm. hard part is is if you have a plunge line in your knives, I I can't help myself. I like the transition between the the satin finish to the mill scale on the Ricasso to the to the bolster of the knife. I I mm. like that. That's like to me, that's like my fav, almost favorite design part. I love that transition. So um, I've really decided that with my stock removal knives the hand finishes is important to me only because i need to get into that plunge line so i can get that hand i mean it's a if you don't have a plunge line it makes perfect sense to go off a belt 100 percent. for me i've made the decision that i like it better for me and what i did actually i did a instagram live on knife talk uh and i did one side of a hand sand and satin finish under before they cut me off and I would, and it, so talking to everybody and explaining what I was doing and doing it, I was able to do an entire satin finish of one side under an hour. And if, it, if I hadn't been talking to anybody, it would have been like maybe 35 minutes. A mm. lot of the things for me is I had to learn how to take the, you know, when you're talking about changing the satin finish, what you're doing is you're changing the peaks. So you're taking off the peaks from the grinder, and then your 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 final your final dimension is where the valleys are in regards to the grooves of the the belt line. I really depend on the on the on the um, discs, the nine inch disc sander, because it takes off those peaks and a flat and and my high spots and my low spots. It, I mean, it keeps gets me to the point where I, it takes off my high spots and it gets me to the point where I can hand sand very efficiently. So. Mm. I mean, that's that's a decision that I had to make, and you know, uh, with stainless steel, it's harder than carbon steel. But you know, what do you think, Demarco? I don't want to dominate. So something, a technique. Well, you can either get really good at hand sanding and take it up to a really high finish, probably around a thousand or two thousand or so, or um, a trick that I remember hearing about or and learning, and I've actually done this myself, is to essentially. Um, you, you got your hand sanding stick, and what uh, people have done it, or I originally learned about doing this with just like a piece of fabric wrapped around your hand sanding stick. Um, but I started using a felt pad. You can just buy them at the hardware store to help, and they're usually sold to help you know prevent scratches on your wood floor or something like that. 
And, but what's great about them is they're adhesive on the backside, so you can stick that to your hand sanding stick or just to a piece of wood or whatever. And what you do is you take like a three-in-one oil and you uh, you soak the thing with the three-in-one oil, and then they uh, they're I, I don't know who sells them now. I, I it's been a long time since I purchased these powdered abrasives, but you can buy abrasive the same kind of abrasive that would be attached to either your sanding paper or your sanding belt but it's just the powder and you can buy it from i think you can buy basically any kind of grit and uh, i've seen it up to 1500 grit um but i think the stuff that i have what so what i did with before is i hand sanded to 400 and then i followed it with this saturated hand sanding stick with a felt pad and this powdered abrasive and i think it was the 320 powdered abrasive and what's interesting is even though it's coarser than the 400 because it's in a kind of a passive medium that felt the oil helps one that the oil helps as a cutting medium um but also it helps keep that powder stuck to the pad um that way you can actually go through and kind of pull strokes down the blade and what that does is it helps instead of being in a hard fast backing um it's it's like i said very passive it's spongy it's soft that felt's really soft so it it has some give to it so it's also not really like hogging down and cutting in deep and really aggressively and what it does is it just really helps smooths and satin and everything out really easy and it doesn't really take much like maybe just a couple minutes with that and um yeah. One thing one thing I will say is and we could I mean this could be a whole episode talking about how 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 we did it. What I would suggest is and um I don't do videos. I'm not going to muddy the waters. If you go on YouTube and you watch the uh Nick Wheeler's videos on hand sanding, on disc sanding, on how the he used to make these mm. It's the gold standard of of how to do how to do these little tricks. And I was tips. just gonna say gold standard. And it's no, yeah. it's no, there's no, it's not worth us going over and over and over. It's not worth us doing. And please, I get messages all the time, and I know Mareko does too, and I'm sure Craig does too. Do you think you could do a video? Mm. Hey man, <clears throat> listen to me, listen to me. I'm gonna get shitty right now. No. The answer is no. There's tons of stuff out there. Just because we say something doesn't mean and you can't write it down or you can't understand it or you can't Google it yourself. That doesn't mean I got to make it easier for you to understand. There are people out there doing a good job. Go, I'm telling you this. Go to Nick Wheeler on YouTube. Watch his videos. He answers all the questions and you make up your own decisions. But I'm telling you what. We get messages all the time. Do you think, uh, oh, thanks for telling me. Do you think you could do a video so it could make it easier for me to understand? No. No, the answer is no. Old man faders in the house. I mean, tell, You're born oh, educator. Oh, oh. Get off my damn lawn, too. <laughs> hey, listen, come on. How many times do people say, hey, thanks again? Do you think you could do a video instead? Yeah. Oh, all the time. It's like, can I chew your food for you, too? I mean, what the fuck? Do a little work. <laughs> you can Google some of these questions, too, guys. You know? Go ahead. Uh, Josh Scott? Josh Scott? He's gonna he's gonna catch a he's gonna catch a good one down the line if we answer go to his question he's gonna catch one too. Let's go. Right. Let's keep going. There's right. radio this tease, Josh. For- radio tease, Josh. We're gonna come after you. <laughs> I'm gonna come after you. <laughs> this next one's from Pascal Knife Making. He says, "What kind of tongs is great for beginning blacksmithing, and how heavy should my first hammer be?" By the way, great show, guys. Thank you, Pascal. Um, 
Jeff, you want to take this one? I, Mr. Uh, well, you, if it depends on, you should get the type of tongs that are going to fit the material that you're planning on using. You know, I, I think that, you know, there are certain tongs that, you know, they make different sizes of tongs for the different, to hold different stocks. So you should try to figure out what kind of stock you want to use and then figure out, well, what's going to hold that the best. I've seen a lot of people using a lot of different types of tongs and there. I can see it, it moves around there in the jaws of the tongs. Figure out, okay, I'm going to make knives with, you know, uh, whatever, inch by, uh, inch by eighth. There are box jaw. There are uh, uh, box jaw tongs. There are V-bit tongs that are made for that stock. So that's the one thing I will say is get the right jaws. Get the right type of tongs for the material that you're going to use. There's not really. There's a couple guys who make tongs that are very versatile, but tongs are. You know, you should have lots of different tongs for lots of different systems. Like when I started making uh, integral knives. I bought like five different types of tongs for every different step, so I'm not fighting the tongs. That's number one. There are plenty of guys yep. out there who make great tongs. Cliff and John, Cliff Dufton, CJ Dufton, John Ariani, they make tongs for you. Uh, I know that Jonathan Pinkston Blacksmith makes tongs. There's a lot of guys out there who make tongs. I know Pat Quinn makes tongs. And then you, there are places where you can buy tongs. I'm not going to tell you where. Do you, you can do that. In regards to hammers... We've all mentioned hammer. We did a whole episode on hammers. I think that uh, two to three pound cross peen or or uh, rounding hammers, a very good all around hammer. You can get it from a million places. I know uh, Mareko just got some. I know I get them from all over the place, but I really get all my hammers now from John uh, Ariani. But uh, there's tons of different things. Go simple and then build. Mm. There was an episode we did called Hammers and Anvils, probably about four or five months ago. And yeah, I mean, Jeff in particular goes in deep there about yeah, hammers. Crazy. Yeah, so go go listen to that one. There's lots on there. Yeah. The next one is Anonymous. Ooh. Dearest Diary. Shit, <laughs> <laughs> that's the new one. <laughs> Dearest Diary, what's the easiest way to achieve a brute de forge look on stock removal knives? Knives with an F. I'm gonna preface it by saying I made it anonymous because this guy's a good guy. He's a very nice guy. I just didn't if I say something that's gonna be I don't wanna hurt this guy's feelings or make him feel stupid or make him feel bad. I respect the fact that you wrote this this message. But I'm going to be a little bit brutal. And the brutality is, when we talk about what we're doing, there's a degree of, of sincerity. If you're going to make a brute to forge knife, you got to forge it. If you're looking to make a textured finish, that's a different story. But if you're trying to, in my opinion, I think that the most important thing in regards to what we're doing, and this goes back to our original conversation, sincerity and honesty with your customers and with the community is important. Yeah. Anything yeah. you want to add, guys? I mean, I mean, I, I actually I didn't read it as forged texture, but I see how what you mean by that. But I think the biggest key for me uh, when I'm trying to do brute forge is to forge as closely as possible, basically to the finished dimension. That way, I have to grind as little as possible. And, le and therefore leaving as much of the forged texture as possible. 
But, that makes sense. but the issue this is... This guy is specifically asking about stock removal knives. This is, so, oh, yeah. yeah this is the, the issue is, is and, and I'm for this. I'm for this guy. I'm, there are, in my opinion, there are no stupid questions. Um, except for I know a couple guys who give us a couple dumb ones once in a while. But I think that it's very important to understand that, you know, I, I would be, I would have a hard time making a stock removal knife and referring it to Brute to Forge. Um, I think that it's important to be as clear and understanding in regards to what you're doing because not only are you representing yourself, but you're also, you want to give your customers the real experience. I know guys, I'm sorry to do this, I know guys who are woodworkers who have anvils on their shirts as their, as their, as their, as their and they're, they're, they're portraying themselves as something that they're not. I am for you. I do not want to stomp out on your joy, but I think it's important to be as I think it's important to be as honest and as forthcoming as possible in regards to mm. what you're doing. And part of it is a brute to forge knife is a forged knife. Period. Mm. And I'm sorry. Right. No, I was just going to say to Jeff, it sounds like you, what you would prefer is that they don't call it brute to forge, that you prefer they call it maybe just Textured, exactly. Forged or fire textured, forged textured. I, I look, but not brute de forge because brute de forge. As I'm, I agree. I'm with you. Like it's very, it's very specifically is a forged knife, right? That's been forged so close to dimension that you only have to do the slightest bit of grinding, I and think, it leaves a lot of the forged texture. I think it's important to be honest and to be <clears throat> as educated as possible. And I think it's sometimes we play games with words. I know I did too. I caught a bad one when I referred to a heritage fit on a knife, which I had heard. But that's what it was called, and I might have made maybe it was a mistake or whatever. I don't know. But I think it's very, very important to be as clear as possible, and not just you know, you're just you know, if you, I think that there's a lot of people who do great um, um, textured material, textured blades. They're stock removal knives. I just think it's very clear to be as honest. And as forthcoming as possible, and there's no wriggle room. Yeah, right. And th so, look, there's nothing okay. wrong with making stock removal Zero. knives. Be, be proud of what you do. You can still make a, an amazing knife. So, don't try and trick people into th saying it's something that it isn't. That's right. There's no need because That's your stock right. removal knife could be just as good, could cut just as well, yeah. could you know, it could look just as well. There's there's, there's no need for that that area, that gray area. No need for it. That is the critical point. We are all in this together, and there's nothing wrong with however you're doing it the, the way you want to make it. But mm. when we start to call things what they aren't, and you're starting to make decisions that you think are going to help your profile or help your status or whatever, I think we have to just, like, I think being honest and sincere as possible. And I'm not going after this guy because I like this person. I don't know him. I didn't really even. I don't know who really who he is, but I respect you as a person, and I respect your question. So the answer is, use a fucking hammer, and beat the shit out of it, and don't call it a don't call it a, don't call it a brute to forge knife, please. I'm begging you. Thank you. Right. Well, in in blacksmithing, blacksmithing forge texturing is something that's yeah. commonly done. Look, I and like so, mill scale yeah, from the 440C. Yeah. I don't, but I don't call that a forged texture, right? Yeah, no, I'm just saying it sounds like it's a, it's a it's an issue of terminology, correct? And so if, hmm. if he's asking, you know, if you want to get a forged texture, you know, one thing you can do is get a cheap ass hammer 
and use your bam 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 right angle grinder uh, with cutoff disc on there and fuck up the face of the hammer and then beat on the piece of steel and it'll give you a texture and then grind your knife from there. That's a good idea. You know what uh, Jeremy from Simple Little Life did, which I think is an awesome finish, and he's mm. very clear about it. He's got a st- uh, one of those pneumatic stipple guns, mm. and that's awesome. That, that he makes one of the best textures on a knife, on a stock removal knife I've ever seen, and he, it's this stipple gun. It's like it's like an air compressor gun, and it's got like. 50 or 20 or so little rods and when you press the trigger it's it's like it like little mini jackhammers it makes this texture on his knife that is fantastic Uh, isn't that meant for cleaning up the slag on welds maybe but whatever he figured something out he used his head and he found something that made an awesome texture and the texture he makes on these knives are is beautiful and that's the other thing do whatever it takes sometimes you gotta do whatever it takes you know um but Let's, you know, maybe we should go on. I've said enough. And if I sound too shitty, I apologize. <laughs> no, I think obviously forging is very near and dear to your heart. I think well, the, the, I, the biggest point here is that you just got to be clear about what you're, actually, honesty, what you're actually doing. Honesty is, the big, yeah. honesty is the biggest near and dear to my heart. You know, I, I think it's important. I try to be as clear and succinct and honest with my customers. So because you know why? Because I need to sleep at night. I don't like, I, I, I if I have to like... To have all these things in my head, and and uh, you know when I and I don't make the Damascus, I get Damascus from Bob Rankin. I say I didn't make this Damascus. I don't try to make. I don't try to portray myself other than sincere. And I need to sleep at night because I'm a disaster as a human being. And sometimes if I have too much guilt or whatever, I'm not sleeping at night. So I need to sleep at night. There you go. Whoo! All right. So this one comes from our buddy Craig. <laughs> Swift Knives UK. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? What's the best way or machine to get really square wood when you're making integral chef knife handles? So he wants to be able to get a very square uh, very square transition on his wood for, I, you could also probably say a hidden tang or a wah style handle. He wants to get those 90 degree flat, flat transitions. That makes sense? Mm. Yes. Mm. Oh, so where where it meets the bottom of the bolsters that we're talking about. Ah, okay. Um, I suppose it's about setup. So even if you just even if you're just using your your standard grinder, um, use um, almost like a jig which you can butt your flat edges up against, knowing that you can get a perfect ninety the other side. Um, that's going to give you get you there roughly. From then on, you you know you you use your sandpaper or whatever it may be. But yeah, I mean, I don't think you need you know, dedicated equipment for that kind of thing, you know, but, you know, you could use a mill, but then, you know, it's all, again, it's all about your setup then it's having something to butt up against. So yeah, I think it's just a case of get some, you know, the cheapest way, get some one, two, three blocks and an angle finder, and then you can make a little fence. You know, that'd probably be the easiest way. Jonathan Porter, Jonathan Porter sent me a video where he actually put a file guide on his wood and used the, used the file guide to make mm. a 90 degree, to make a real flat, uh, transition, which I thought was really cool. So he put the file guide on yeah. the wood, so the carbide is facing up, and then he would hit it on the grinder and then finish it on like paper on the on a table. I mm. thought that was an awesome way to to, to make that super flat way without, uh, you know, you're always worried if you're on a grinder that you're gonna like get the one edge one end one edge is gonna catch a little bit too much of the um, 
too much of the paper and you're going to see like a, a, a daylight when you put them together. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Rekko? Uh Well, for me, the bottom of my bolster is almost never perfect 90 degrees to the tank. It's almost always raked or canted just a little bit from back to front. And so uh, what I do is, you know, I, I drill the slot for where the tank's going to go in, and then I take the block over to my grinder, and I just do a, a rough fit up. And by rough, it's actually pretty damn close. Sometimes it's perfect, and I just call it good from there. But if it's usually it's not. Uh, and then from there, I just take a piece of sandpaper, usually like a 220 or something like that, and slap it onto a piece of uh, granite countertop, some, some sort of flat surface that I know is really good and flat. Uh, and you can find those countertop chunks. You, usually, you can actually, they have drops at, at anywhere that does marble countertops. They have drops for cutting out the holes for sinks or whatever, and they just throw that shit away. So grab one, put that on your bench, put some sandpaper on it, and then you just drag the top, the, you know, that top of the surface uh, of that block against it, and just depending on what side needs to be cut, but it, uh, it gets a nice, clean, flat surface, and it you can adjust it to be at whatever angle it is. It doesn't necessarily have to be ninety. Um, some I think the last few I've been doing actually are a few degrees off. They're about ten or. 10 or 15 degrees off and uh off 90 and so yeah it's just it's just taking your time to touch it against the grinder and then and then sand it uh you know against the sanding block or uh, you know on the sandpaper on the on the granite top and ultimately i mean once you get the hang of it and you've done it a few times it takes about five minutes sometimes less and so there's not a lot of setup you literally just walk up and grind it and then sand it and you're called good that's what I that's go. what I do at least. There you go. This next one is from our favorite guy, our boy Josh Scott. It says in regards to carbon Damascus, do you ever do any hand sanding on the flats prior to heat treat to get a jump start on final sanding, or does a layer uh, of some sort need to be ground off in order to get a good etch? I'm sure quality of the Damascus comes into play here. Thanks, dudes. Feel free to answer me now. <laughs> yeah he wanted it he wanted it. not only did he want us to ask this question but he wanted the answer before we actually broadcast so i specifically didn't i specifically yeah. didn't answer so i'm <laughs> making you wait josh we're not here for you know we're not ask jeeves thank you very much yeah this is a, this is a, that's, yeah. that's an age thing again dude. all right god damn you both you ask know, jeeves Fuck you. Was the last time you used the internet in 1995? What the fuck? No. <laughs> With his AOL disk. Didn't have it. 95, I don't think. We had, uh, I, there was no internet in 1995 that I remember. It was dial up. How about that little paper clip that came up on your fucking uh, PC too? Remember him? Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Can I help you with that? Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm older. I'm older than you. But you all know what I'm talking about. So don't pretend. And I look younger than the both of you. So go fuck yourselves. I like them apples. It's amazing what so that hair dye does for you, Jeff. What? So <laughs> I'll say that one again. It's amazing what that hair dye does for you. <laughs> I said I'm going to get some from you. I'm going to get some from you. Craig Lockwood picture is the best. <laughs> so there you go. That's. I think this is all Mareko. I think this is all you. All me. Well, well, I think I mean, yeah. ultimately, all right, so the issue is he's asking if he can get a jump start on hand sanding. Um, 
before heat treating has carbon Damascus. And I think that it really comes down to how you're heat treating it. But ultimately, you are going to want to do some grinding afterwards, realistically, because you can't, uh, at least in my experience, it's hard to get too close to your finish dimension because what happens, at least, <clears throat> excuse me, when I'm heat treating out of my even heat kiln, you know, it's an ambient air environment. So it, there's scale that develops on the outside of the steel. And so when I quench and afterwards, there's there's a slight, there's a, a thin layer of decarb. And if you don't get through that decarb before you start etching, you're going to have what looks, it's just not going to look right on the surface. And you can, you'll see like, you'll still see the pattern, but the surface of the steel will look like shit. It'll look like grains of salt or sand or like and sugar and it's it's not necessarily representative of what's happening in the structural like the grain structure of the steel it's just what that decarburized material looks like and so you got to get below that before you do your final etching and stuff like that and so unfortunately you're going to have to do some a bit of sand even if it's only hand sanding uh, but you're going to have to do some grain grinding or hand sanding um, I think after, even if you were doing salt pots. What if you, uh, oh, oh, so that's what I was going to say. What if you had an oxygen-free environment? Like what if you wrapped the carbon steel in Damascus like you would stainless steel? That's one of the things the stainless guys can do is you can get really, really close to your dimension, hand sand it, and then wrap it in foil, and then you're really not having, you. there's a lot of guys who don't have to grind it again. You know, could you, you said wrap have, it in Damascus? It tripped me out. I said wrap yeah, it in Damascus. I'm in wrapping foil. Yeah. <laughs> I think for Ask Jeeves, you that, motherfuckers. It, it could help. Uh, I, I don't have any experience with that. And so hopefully, if somebody's listening who does, uh, can jump in and send us a DM. That would be great to follow up with that. But um, that could help. I, I uh, let's see, I have worked out of uh, like a argon purged kilns, and they're still between the kiln and then quenching there's a little bit of uh forge scale develop or i guess heat whatever the scale develops right. on the surface yeah. and so you still got to get through that um you know before you finish out in your knives otherwise it's just not going to look right and so that's part of the concern also i was i was worried about when i was forging that that chef's knife really close to dimension is that the question is am i going to get through the forge scale and the decarb layer and for, alt, for, fortunately, I did. There just happened to be some shit, at, uh, you know, in the Damascus. But you, you know, that's the that's the issue with Damascus is that you after you get it all hand sanded, you know, mono steel you can hand sand it and you can have all kinds of decarbon in there and it looks fine because you're not going following it up with an etch. But because you're following up the Damascus after hand sanding with an etch, you have to make sure you get through all of that decarb. Now, have you tried any of those anti-scale compounds? But would that help? That would probably help too. But I haven't. Okay, so now <laughs> I'm gonna, okay. it's because I'm making chef's knives and I'm doing so. I have to go so much farther to mm. grind my knives. Um, I think uh, Josh isn't going as thin, and so uh, he he keeps his blades, from what I've seen, uh, pretty nice and stout, which is good for w what they're being used for. Um, so you know it's. He's probably could get really, really close to his finished dimension before heat treat, but with Damascus, I you know, I mean, I don't know. Try it and see what happens. Well, and um, but go ahead, Josh. You hit on a good you point. Got? You hit on a good point about Josh's knives because Josh makes EDC knives. He puts a lot of fullering in, 
and he has them. They're not the the geometry is a lot different than a culinary knife. So I would imagine if he's talking about the fullers or the you know the fullers that he's putting in, I would think what well, is he going to have to go back and you know take all the material out of those fullers? Like that's a little bit of a harder situation than you know if you're doing a you know if you're I would imagine it makes it. I think that's what he's probably talking about is yeah absolutely. Because, you know, similar to like, uh, you know, pocket knife guys, pocket knife guys don't have to, when they're heat treating, they don't have to worry so much about, you know, they're almost a final dimension, almost, with a lot of their parts. Yeah. And they don't have to, you know, so I, it's interesting. Uh, now it's an interesting question, Josh. You did a nice job. Yeah, that, it was an interesting question anti- before, but now it's an interesting question. So congratulations. <laughs> you changed my mind. <laughs> I, I think Craig's hitting the nail on the head, though. I think th- those uh, those anti-scale compounds those could really help a lot, um, especially because they're in physical contact with the with the material and physically coating them. It's only a thin layer that could help prevent it prevent you from having to do as much or if any hand sanding afterwards, other than just slight little touch ups. Um, but especially down in that fuller, yeah, that would be a concern. Um, just because it's such a bitch to get in there and clean that out. So, yeah, Those I would try answers. that. Yeah. Nice job, Craig. You had the answer the whole time, not me. Fine. Well, look, we did Keep it all together. my hat. We did oh, that's it. good. We did it. The next one is from, and I think this is L. Mori, L-M-O-R-R-I-E. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? What stage in your knife-making process do you consider your favorite or most enjoyable? I like this one. Good question. Go ahead, mm. Craig. For me, it is because all mine are um, full tang, you know, scales both sides. For me, it's when it's all glued up and you take the clamps off and you do that sort of fresh grind, you know, down to the bare metal um, along mm. the spine and so on. And then you can see all the colors contrasting and everything. That I love that bit because then, you know, that's that's the finishing of the knife really. It's one of the last things that you're going to do. Um, I like that. I like that. Yeah, that is a nice reveal. Mm. What about you, I would Jeff? say, oh Jeff. Oh, if I could just forge, now, I would just. I love to forge. If I could just forge, that's when I'm the happiest. Like when I'm forging things and you know m- manipulating the mass, and I have the forge on, and I'm walking around, and I got the anvils and the hammers and the tongs, and I'm just like preparing myself mentally for all, every different step and how I can be more efficient. And I'm starting to get more tools made for my tire hammer. Cliff's going to make me some things and John's going to make me some things. And I love forging. I want to get better at it. You know, I'm actually talking to Cliff about uh, his guillotine tool. I want to get involved with his guillotine tool. I want a guillotine tool that's a little bit better than what I got. And he's going to work on some things. And I love forging. I love, I, I, I get to the point where I'm, I, when I we're scheduling our time, uh, during the week of the month, I'll have a couple days for forging, and I'll like I'll be pining away for for those days. So that's the most fun for me. My name's Jeff, and I'm addicted to forging. Dear diary, I want to forge today. <laughs> he walks Dear around guys, eating eating raw meat and growing his beard, and you know, yeah, raw meat. Man, yeah, yeah. I got my <laughs> dick hanging out, and I I'm all fired up. <laughs> I told you we were oh, going to talk geez. like this, guys. I told you we were, I t- I, we were too inspirational last week. Now it's got to be bottom of the barrel, lowbrow shit. That's what you're getting this time. We got we to gotta be a little more, more lowbrow. For me, it's the, uh, 
it's the whole making Damascus, like making the Damascus patterns and forging out the blades and seeing the pattern, like actually like the final reveal of the pattern once it's forged and stretched out. Um, because what you get in your mosaic bar isn't necessarily what it's going to look like in the final blade. And so, yeah, all, all the forging stuff, that's definitely my most favorite part. And just P.S., Craig, you said I'm walking around eating meat. The unfortunate reality is more like I'm walking around drinking almond milk and eating veggie burgers. It's a little <laughs> bit. I'm not as uh, I'm not as macho as as I'd like to think. Eating a lot of meat. It's like sea You're not a vegan? No, I'm not. I, vegan, I'm a, I eat everything, but I I tend to during the week and for lunches and stuff like that. I tend to eat less meat and more vegetable, plant based yeah. stuff. But I do like uh, I do like a burger and a nice steak, but. You know, I don't think I could be friends with a vegan. I really don't. I'm not a vegan. Who yeah. cares? No, 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 that's good. That's good. Fine. That's good. I'm just telling you, listen, I know you guys like to make jokes about how old I am, which is not that old, you fucks. But, uh, you know, you got to watch your, you got to watch the car. You got to you change the oil. You got to rotate the tires. You got to keep everything working. So part of that is I'm trying to eat better. Mm-hmm. I have been for the, since I've been 30. So. A lot more. I, I admire, you I admire your willpower. Go ahead, go ahead. One at a time. You're both going in for the fucking double leg takedown <laughs> joke, and you were no, like no. stumbled over both of each no, other. No, so no. one at a time, one at a time. I'll I was saying I admire, I admire your your responsibility. Well, look, I don't want to. Yeah. You know, really, what it comes down to is I don't want to be in my 60s, and the doctor said you have to change your habits now. I was like, Ugh, if I'm going to be miserable, I'm going to start being miserable earlier. So now it's not going to be such a drastic change. Little soy, little soybean never, little soy, little soybean never hurt anybody, did it? Makes your tits grow, but other than that, what are you gonna do? <laughs> you and your man boobs. Well, I, I, right. there was one point. There was one point where I was eating a lot of tofu, and my wife said to me, "She's like, just let you know, you're gonna grow, you're gonna, you're gonna grow some tits. You're gonna grow some tits on you if you eat too much soy." So all of a sudden, I was like, "All right, we don't need any more soy." Fine, it's all pecs now. It's all pecs. Less tits, more pecs. Right, Boobs and wankles. <laughs> there we are. He's back. Craig's back, baby. All right. Okay. All right. Blue Dog Knife says, Hey, cutie, I'm getting ready to begin selling my fixed blades. Do customers have an expectation of a sheath? Do you guys incorporate that into your cost or offer it as an option for a slightly higher cost? Thank you for any response and the great podcast. What's going on, guys? What do you do? I don't make any sort of sheaves at all. Um, I just, just don't offer it. Um, I've got a, a guy who I use when, when somebody does specifically ask for a sheath, a leather sheath. Uh, I've got somebody who did I work say, with. Did you say sheath or sheaf? I did say sheaf. <laughs> <laughs> like Keith. Keith Richards. <laughs> Keith. <Keeper. laughs> I love it. When I got my, by myself a fucking sheaf. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so if I if somebody specifically wants a sheath, <laughs> I've, I've got somebody who I work with because they'll do a far better job than I can do. But I mean, he doesn't say here; he's saying fixed blades. So I assume he's talking sort of hunters, EDCs, that right. kind of thing, rather than a, a culinary knife. Right. But back to this this big contract project that I'm working on at the moment. Um, we're obviously not off, offering a sheath. <laughs> um, because you know, you know, a lot, a lot of chefs, you know, they, they don't want them in, sh- in sheaths, and I think most of these will be going to the home cook anyway, not particularly 
professional chefs. So chefs. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So what what we're offering <laughs> is a um, a little magnet, a little mag. You know the magnet you put up on the wall, just big enough for this one knife. And it's made of the same material as the handles. So we're getting them outsourced. But, um, you know, thinking outside the box, I suppose, it, it depends, you know, the purpose of the knife. But, I mean, if you're doing something like a hunter, I suppose you wouldn't want – I know people do leather, but, I, you know, I'd imagine the Kydex would be the better the better shout there simply because you're putting it back into a wet leather, that kind of thing. But, no, the, to cut it back down, I don't offer any any sheaths. <laughs> I uh, when I first started making knives, when I was learning from uh, Matt Paul, I I made more. My first knives were kind of hunting knives because that's what he was doing, and I didn't really know much better. I I used to send my knives to our friend Kyle Daly, KH Daly Knives, host of Knife Perspective podcast, and uh, he actually would make sheaths for me. And the problem was was the problem the problem. I didn't like. I didn't like having to finish a knife and send it to him, and then he sends it back to me before I put the edge on. It was just mm. like I wanted everything done myself, and I had to make a decision that I cannot get into leather right now. It's just, it's just in my mind. I just don't want to get into it. Um, I know guys like Noah Vachon do, does an incredible job with leather. I know a lot of guys do great leather work. He just did a leather uh, saya that was really awesome, and he did a like a kind of a how to, and I know that, uh, how to on how to do leather sayas and stuff like that. That was really great. But I started to do Kydex because it was easy for me to do, and I could and it was cheap enough and fast enough that I could roll it into the price. And when I started doing culinary knives, when I was selling to cooks who were going to restaurants, they liked the they liked the 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 Kydex because they could put it in their bag when they're going to the, sh the restaurant and it's easy to wash out, blah, 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 blah. I think that some of my knives would look better with leather. It's just, they look better with a leather sheath. That's just, you know, it's just a fact. And I, and I, and I understand that and I appreciate it. But at this point in time, I make it to the point where my Kydex sheaths are not a huge expense to my customer. I like, I like making them quick and also it helps in the shipping because when you ha make a, a knife with a Kydex sheath, it's not rolling around in that sheath. It's like it's like form fit doesn't mo move. So when you're shipping it, you're actually are you are protecting the blade, especially in shipping. So that's what I do. I'd love to. I'd, I wish I could like do the matrix where you like call up the operator and then they download how to make leather. But it's and it's not in the cards right now. I, I just one of those things. I just I'm 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 loath to try to get good at. Mm. I just saw that there's a kind of are there is there felt lined kydex? I have somebody have mentioned to me about that, and I have no idea. I cannot. I I'm maybe somebody. I I'd heard mm. about it. I've never seen it. I would think that it'd be very difficult to do clean because what you're doing also when you're finishing off the kydex is you wanna after you do the kydex and you cut it on the bandsaw, you wanna sand it and then you can hit it on the buffer and the buffer kind of like almost like for a lack of a better word quarterizes the outside so it makes it that kind of shiny it makes it look finished i don't know how felt oh, would the make heat that change. from the friction probably helps smooth it out yeah, yeah. the heat from the friction i don't know how that would I, I i think that line stuff is always in my mind i'm always because i'm such a slob i'm always thinking that i'm going to put something in and it's going to catch and then all you're going to start to make a tiny tear, and then that tear is just going to get bigger, and then you're going to end up with like a lob, sure. a lob of felt at the bottom. So I don't know anything about yeah. it. Yeah, and it doesn't look. Uh, I saw something the other day, and it doesn't look like it's very thick. It just looks like it's just the sparest amount, but it keeps, it just keeps the plastic 
or the the kydex plastic off of the blade. Right. But I don't know. It was interesting. I just, I just saw. It. But anyways, for me, when it comes to sheaths, I think the idea is uh, you know something that is going to be car- more more frequently be carried, like a hunting knife or an EDC or whatever. I think though, if you're if it's expected to be carried on the person uh, in general, uh, then it probably should pro- get a sheath. Now, I don't think you should do that at your own expense. So you sh- I think you should build it into the price um, of the knife if you if you want to just do it automatically, and so it's not even a question. But if you if you want to give the customer an off option, because maybe the cus- I, there are some customers who have a sheath maker that they like sending their stuff to, to have this person do this stuff, then um, then obviously just price it out separately. And but I, I think I, I, and with my chef's knives, um, I don't always do a, a saya, which is if, if you're not familiar with that term, it's a it's a wooden sheath for culinary knives. It comes from Japanese tradition, but. Um, the thing is, is that a lot of people think, oh, you should just throw a saya in with your knives. And the reality is, you know, a saya, doing the woodworking for making the saya, is, it's at least a whole day, if not a day and a half or two days worth of work, depending on the kind of material working with. Uh, uh, which is why I envy Jeff's uh, <laughs> Kydex sheets because, uh, yeah, it's just such a pain in the ass. But anyhow... But I, so I can't just offer those. So I, I definitely make sure I, I charge or add, offer those at, at additional cost if somebody wants them. And I kind of have them priced in a way. So I'm hoping that customers say, oh, I'll pass or I'll take it to somebody else. Because there are really great sire makers out there. You know, there's Jared up there and I think he's in Vermont. Uh, there's there's uh, the Ginger Ninja there's a, there's a guy in Toronto called Mokuzo. Uh, there's a lot of people, uh, woodworkers out there doing really great work. And what I actually want to do is now that I'm back in the Northwest, I have, I know some great carpenters in the area. I want to partner with them and just be like, yo, I don't want to make this shit. This is how I make it. And I, or I'm as professional carpenters, they probably have ways, much smarter ways of building these sheets. But basically pass the business on to them have them you know not have to ship it like jeff you're saying the issue is shipping it back and forth i can literally drive like 10 minutes down the road hand it off to them they can make it i can get it back without shipping or any kind of issues like that um so i think uh, i'll probably realistically i should start offering sayas with my knives but right now they're just they're an additional uh option one thing also is you, there are leather people who, if you send your knife to them, they'll template that knife and then have and make sheaths for that style of knife. So you can order, once they have all the templates and stuff like that, you could say, I'm, I'm not going to change the size. It's going to be the same thing. Uh, I need 20 sheaths and then they'll charge you like a, a reasonable price. You know, there are guys who do that. I know there are a lot of leather guys who will say, yeah, yeah listen, you, I'll make sheaths for you. Send me the knife and I'll make them. So... You, that is another option that you could do and then use, let's say, you know, let's say you, you know, 40 bucks or 50 bucks or whatever it is. And then you just kind of put that in and then you call your guy up and say, I need two more sheaths or something like that. I, I, I think that especially with hunting knives, I think there probably is an expectation that, you know, you got to, you know, 
you can't put it in your pocket. You know, there is something you gotta have, have it in something. <laughs> you know, so I think it's a, I think it's also good for you to see how they are sent out. You know, and part of that is a sheath is kind of a nice touch. I, I get leather sheaths made sometimes, and like Kyle made me some other sheaths that were just like this. It looks great, and you know, yeah. it's just that at this point in time, I can't do it. Well, if you're going to be doing some sheath work, whether it's leather, wood, or Kydex, you're going to want some sandpaper. You're going to need some abrasives. And so I want to give a little shout out to our uh, combat abrasives. Um, they are a great company who have been a huge supporters of the show. They've also helped take care of you guys with their 10% discount for Knife Talk listeners. If you go to combatabrasives.com and type in Knife Talk 10 You'll save 10% on anything you buy from them, whether it's their handle material, all kinds of crazy abrasives and belts, uh, their epoxies. They got they got you covered, especially for those abrasives. So, again, give them some love. And also, don't forget to tag them as well as tag us. We want to share you back out and show the world what you're doing with these abrasives. So make sure to tag us. But, again, at combatabrasives.com, type in Knife Talk 10 at checkout, and you're going to save 10%. And you'll be good to go. You get back to work. And you'll be big, happy. Big thanks to Garrett over at Combat. He sent me a pile of shredder belts to take with me to uh, Barcelona when I go see Tomer for the class. He was He's just a super guy. They're really into this community, and they're interested in figuring out other things to sell. And they're, very, they're just good people. Garrett, thank you so much, Garrett. He just sent me a nice box to bring with me, and uh, I'm fired up. Thank you. Nice. Thanks. Nice. Okay, next question is from Nick W. Tanner. Hey, cuties. How can I get my wife to give me more massages? I'm all tired and sore and need some relief, God damn it. Nick, <laughs> go oh take a God. cold shower, Nick. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, if you were a little bit cleaner, maybe she would be rubbing up on you a little bit more, you know. <laughs> you, I, I think cleanliness, I, the, one of the things that my wife hates when I come home is if I don't take a shower because i'm usually covered in dirt and metal dust and i smell like a you know i smell like a fucking penny you know it's all copper and all sorts of stuff so i think that if the cleaner and more hygienic and good smelling you are the more likely she will put your put her hands on you you know what i'm saying you know she'll put her hands on you and rub up on you if you're a little bit you know more pleasant don't walk in with swamp ass covered in dirt and ask for a goddamn massage, ain't gonna work. But he's all tired and sore and needs some goddamn relief. <laughs> he needs some goddamn relief. He needs a hose off. He's a hose <laughs> off. Get a bar of Irish Spring, and then she's gonna rub up on you. That's what you need. I, I'm always coming home with especially sh sore shoulders from standing at the grinder and looking down. And um, my wife got me, there's this, uh, there's this like, it's like a chair massager thing, you know, like you see those chair massagers and up at the neck, they got like the whatever the knob knobbly things. <laughs> Craig, I know you think that's funny. The knobs that roll around and, and basically they hit your traps. But I, uh, let's see, I saw them at Costco the other day, but it basically it's like it's like this thing you sling across your back and you and you can adjust the pressure because it's got like the little handles that hang back over the side on your shoulders and and it has you know you can have heat and and you can speed it up or slow it down but um i love my wife and i, pre <laughs> I appreciate everything she does uh, but i got big fat thick muscles on my shoulders and it's it's hard for her to get in there and 
and uh, break that shit up. So we got this mas- massager thing, and it's so, it's been really helpful. And so that's what you need, Nick. You need you need one of these robots. Yeah. Some of them can be quite yeah, lifelike too, bot. apparently. Yeah, a sex bot. So have, ask your wife to go get you a vibrator and put it on your chair and vibe <laughs> up. Just sit on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's back, baby. So. So you got them thick. You got them thick old shoulders. You gotta get that vibrator on that thick old shoulders, huh? I got those Polynesian shoulders, son. There you go. There you go. You need a couple clubs. Somebody, you need that. Uh, that uh, <laughs> somebody with a couple clubs to smash on you. Wasn't that? Wasn't that was hard ass, hard ass. <laughs> you see those ones where they're like beating the shit out of you with a couple of clubs. That's what you need in your life. There you, hey, you know, Nick, maybe that's the thing. Give your wife a hockey stick and lie on your stomach and let her beat the shit out of you. Maybe she'll do that. Some people are into that kinky stuff. <laughs> that's what he wants. Don't, don't, don't go. That's how you got to go, Nick. Let her beat the shit out of you. Tenderize your ass up. All right. Next question comes from Dan D.H. Makes. New question. If you had to choose, would you make knives that you wanted to make and put them up for sale or make custom knives to order? Good question. Good question, guys. If you could, could you do custom knives or make what you want to make and people buy what you make? If I, if I could, could choose rather than, you know, if I had to choose, if I could choose, I had the choice, I'd be making single pieces, you know, of my own design and, put, and putting them up without, without a doubt. But, you know, it, it's it's not that easy. It's not that you need to you need to you know build a very good reputation for that to happen. You know for there to be a market for that. Because if you're spending, you know the the good part of you know a month, two, three months working on a single piece, you know the, to find a market for that piece is difficult. You know it's certainly for me it would be almost impossible. Whereas you know the likes of Morocco who do, who does this thing quite regularly and he's got an amazing reputation. That you know that, that that's that's within the realm of possibility. But for me it isn't. But I'd love to be able to do that. Yeah, but people still people still ask him for certain. They, there are certain things that they want. He's not. He's mm. not. He still has to work within the confines of what his customer wants. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, ju- I just mean to, you know taking the time to you know to work on so, so, something special as opposed to just you know another you know just another knife which I need to get out the door. I, w- I would really like to lean more to being able to make whatever I want and then sending that out, putting that out in the world and that be bought, purchased. I, I do like doing the custom orders because I, I've been challenged often by, by what other people want or, and, uh, and some stuff I never even would have thought of doing or I have thought of doing, but I just I never had that push until finally a customer's like, have you ever seen or done this before? I would like to try this. And they're like, and I'm like, sweet, I get to do this now and play with that kind of experimentation. But I, you know, I really, I, I also like being helpful as Jeff was talking about last week about the blacksmith being like there as part of the community and trying to help people be helpful. Then, you know, I like to try to give people that opportunity to essentially build a knife vicariously through me and so there's it's an opportunity you know that's what custom custom orders is an opportunity for somebody to make a knife now obviously i'll I'll only do it within reason i'm not going to put you know spinner spinner rims on a knife or anything like that but um which would be ridiculous but anyhow you know i i think a mix ultimately that would be my dream business model i guess if you want to call it that is do uh you know so what 50 percent 60 percent 
whatever I want, and then the rest would be custom. I think you hit the nail on the head. You get pushed into positions that you might not normally do, and then you get you find you learn stuff about your work, and then it, it, it propels you. I love taking custom orders, especially ones that I'm always like I scrunch up my eyes a little bit. I don't do that anymore because it's like like one guy wanted uh, one guy was a, a big uh, a Pink Floyd fan, and I have a picture uh, like last year of this knife I made. The one he loves the the album cover, Dark Side of the Moon, where. It's a triangle, oh, and there's yeah. a light going through, and there's the rainbow colors on one side and the white on the other. And I made it, and I would never have done this before. And it turned out great. And I was just like, you know what? I'm really glad I did that because it, I, it, I learned a couple things that I really liked. I got in mm. a position that I'm not, I'm not normally in. And look, sometimes you get some requests that are awful. Like I got one coming up that is could be yes. the ugliest thing I've ever probably going to be the most expensive knife and ugliest I will ever make and I will not post it but it because it is going to be horrendous but I'm looking forward to making it I said to Tony I said this is going to be the ugliest most expensive piece of shit I've ever made I can't wait look you get into the You're position such a whore. no of course listen are we in business or are we not in business I don't care I, you know what also it's like there's going to be some things I'm going to be doing that I'm not normally do, I normally do and it's going to be that I like that I, I don't care. The answer is yeah. I'll make you whatever you want. I don't give a fuck. It's not going to my house. As long as you're paying for it, I don't care. There you go. Fine. Okay. That's being business. I'm with you. All right. This <laughs> this next one is from Von, Von Hook Blades. What is your favorite piece you've made to date? Now, for the listeners, just to let you know, Craig is in very, very hot climate apparently france gets hot who would have thought and his computer overheated so we're going to finish the rest of this episode out without craig and i will promise not to every so often i promise i promise i might do a craig impression and it might sound like this one make my fucking chef so uh craig uh craig what's your favorite what's the what's the favorite um piece you ever made i made this fucking knife for jamie oliver i fucking loved it Oh, that's great. What, what about you? What about you, Mareko? What was your favorite piece? I, I, I guess. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know. It's so funny. Uh, anyways, uh, I, I've got to say that my most favorite piece that, I, that I've made is actually the knife I just finished up that had the carving on the handle. Actually, I had it at Blade Show. You saw it. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, with the Polynesian theme, like the fern mosaic, Mascus. And, uh, yeah, it was just, it was, not only was it a little challenging, it was definitely a bit challenging, but it was the most personal build to me. Um, so I think that's, that's definitely been my most favorite one. Before that was the one I made for my wife as our, as my wedding gift to her. Oh, that's awesome. It was a wedding gift to myself because I do most of the cooking. Yeah, that is a cheeky fucking thing to do too. It's just like, it's like, (laughs) let me give you this. This is a good gift for you. It's a good gift for us. I mean, for us. <laughs> I once, yeah, that's a that's that's a that's a that's a good that's a good move. Um, my favorite knife that I made was actually last year when I made I made a knife for uh, I was a inter, one of the first. It was the first good integral knife I made for this uh, CIA award, the Culinary Institute of America, a leadership award. And it really turned out great, and it was it was it was the most fun i had on a build and it was just awesome and i'm really really thrilled you know what before we let me just talk about one of our sponsors while we're here um new jersey steel baron is a company that we 
have been has been sponsoring us for a while. They're great sellers of knife steel and tool steel in New Jersey. Their website uh, is NewJerseySteelBaron.com. They're working on updating it. We've been making jokes, but that's the way it is. They have awesome steel, different sizes, different shapes. You don't have to wait for a truck to arrive. You can buy minimum steel. On their website, they give you an opportunity to learn about the, how the steel is heat treated. So if you wanted to try something new, they'll help you through how you heat treat a knife that steel that you might not be uh, used to. The other thing is is they do a water jet cutting services. So like a, like um, if you were making a series of knives, actually I just got a message from Pete Bruno. My Bandito knives, The uh, when I get home from uh, Barcelona, they're all 50 of them are going to be ready for me and, and they're going to take care of all that and they do a great job. He actually does the, uh, he does the uh, computer work too. So if you were to just draw something up, he could digitize your drawing as well or bring a template or whatever. They'll work with you. You know, they, 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 they're a great company. They listen to the podcast every Monday. Hi, Brandy. And um, go f- support them. That we, They've been awesome to us. We got one here from at 5050forge. He says, if you're using Instagram to sell your products, advertise, and network, would you advise setting up a website as well? Uh, it's a very small shop, so any time spent on social media slash advertising is time not spent in the shop. Do you think setting up a website is worth it? Monday, uh, sorry, money and time to maintain versus potential new customers, etc. So, is it worth is having it, a website? Yeah, I, I think, I think in, in even though we live in like a predominantly social media world, by that I mean that's where most people are spending their time. I think it's still really important to have a website, and I think Jeff would say the same thing because I, the reason I think it's a good re- thing is you know social media might take a shit and go away, right. but you know people are still going to use the internet. Uh, and websites, uh, and a website is is always good as not just as like a placeholder, but it's it, if you don't want to do a lot of websitey kind of stuff, at least use it as a portfolio of your past work, how people can get in contact with you and stuff like that, um, or, or and treat it like an online business card in a way. Um, but I, I think for most makers, um, you know. Having just a very simple website at the very least is good, especially like I said, to show past work um, and contact info. But I think it's important to do both, personally. Yeah. But I, what do you think? Jeff? I think that I think that it, I see it as your net. If you're fishing, you got a great lure, you got a great rod and reel, but you got to be able to catch mm-hmm. the fish. So sometimes you need a net. Um, at first, I used to think mm-hmm. that social right. media was going to take over to the point where you don't need a website anymore. But for us to capture people's, you know, money, it would on a website made things a lot easier for us. Now I know that Instagram's yeah. starting to do some things where you're able to link to uh, Shopify and different kinds of things, and you could buy directly through Instagram. I don't know enough about it. I like having control over our website. It's a pain in the ass. It sucks, and luckily for me, I don't have to deal with it. But you know, I think <laughs> that it's good. To, I think it's good. I think it's a good idea to have a website. No. Yeah. Craig's Community Showcase. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is Craig. I like 7K Metalworks. 
That's 7-K-M-E-T-A-L-W-O-R-X. That's Ant Hart. Uh, he making the award to commemorate Lee Bennett. I'm with you, 7K Metaworks. So let's go follow him. Sorry, 7K, you got the, you got the, you got the fake Craig, but that's the way it's going to be. <laughs> Who you got, Mareko? This week I have Stuart Branson. Uh, he's a maker from Vancouver, Canada. He's, uh, he's S Branson underscore knives on Instagram. He is a phenomenally talented maker. I actually featured him in my, um, in my calendar and it's because of the level of his work is just absolutely stunning. Um, and I'm actually, I'm looking at his Instagram right now and he's got this blade on them with this psychotic hormone on it with such incredible activity. So anyways, he's just, he's just a really, uh, you know, super talented guy who does, uh, he does a lot of Japanese inspired builds in a very traditional manner. Uh, I first met him in Seattle at the first Seattle international knife show. I think that was in 2014 and he's just a really nice guy who does incredible work. You should go give him a follow. He's only got 882 followers. So everybody go give him a follow and bump his, bump his ass up and, uh, also say what's up and um yeah it's just really good stuff Stuart branson all jokes aside to when i all jokes aside i mean i was a little bit flippant and obnoxious with uh, 7k metalworks that's craig's guy craig this guy is a really good dude and what he did to make an award to commemorate lee bennett is a very admirable thoughtful and generous thing to do um mm. 7k metalworks is a dynamite guy and i craig are you here I'm back. I'm yeah. back. Oh, He's back. Jesus. I want to hear what he has to say. What did you say? I even. Oh, thank God you're back. You're going to hear it. I, I, you're going to be. I made my. I did my impression of you. Oh. We're on Craig's Community Showcase. Let's start. Let's not. Maybe you shouldn't listen to what I said and you should do your community showcase. So my Mac had overheated. It's so hot here. It just shut down and said, I'm too hot to work. So. I had to make frozen water bottles sitting on top of that and all sorts of whatever. I'm back. Yeah, back again. Hmm. He's back again. All right, so let's maybe Craig you should... back. back again. <laughs> let's have a recap. Let's have a recap. What have I missed? <laughs> well, I did. I might have done an impression of you that was a little unthought. A little Very you know, insulting. I just you know so well, I'm Craig Lockwood. I'm here for 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 Bobby Chiefs. Something like that. <laughs> I, I think it was really. Uh, I was just trying to be humorous. You know, it's getting hot in here. Okay. Not as hot as you, but. All right, we're at Obviously. Craig's Community Showcase, and you can edit this however you want to. <sighs> Wait a second. I didn't do my Community Showcase. Oh, Jesus. I thought you Jesus. I did this your is a shambles. <laughs> I'm rusty. I'm out of practice. <laughs> All right, well, just back to... Oh, I. I wanted to give a, a big shout out to my buddy Damian Sutton. Uh, that's Loon Knife Works. He is a knife maker in New York, and he's also a cook. And he is—he makes beautiful work. He's a super guy. He's also a good—he's also a cook. He's a professional cook, and he's all, doing all sorts of uh, events. And he does catering, and he works in kitchens. And so he's really working with his own stuff. And he kind of—it gets him to understand his own work, which I appreciate. He's a super smart guy. And then he—you got to follow him because on his stories he's always cooking up something on the forge like he has like vampire hours so he's working making these crazy crazy things and he's usually cooking on top of 
the forge and it's always something good. Like he he never makes the it. same thing twice and he's always cooking up something really, really innovative and, and funny and, you know, like, you know, it's three o'clock in the morning and so he's going to fry something up on the top of his, on top of his forge. He's an awesome guy. Uh, Loon underscore Metalworks, a.k.a. Damien Sutton. Great guy. Nice. All right, this is the part of the episode where we complain and bitch and moan a little bit, and uh, you know, you know, where's the beef? So we're gonna we're gonna lay it down. Craig's gonna start us off. My beef this week is <sighs> shitty drill bits. Man, I hate drilling any. I've got, I've got a really shitty drill press, but you know that's not the point. Drill bits—they're never the size that they they say they are. Um, let, let's say I'm putting a, uh, a pin in and the pin is, let's go for the American, let's say quarter inch, which would be 6.35 mil for you know, normal people. It's, we get a quarter inch drill bit and drill that pin's not going to go in. So sometimes you end up getting like a 6.5 mil drill bit, give you a bit of clearance and the pin will go in nice and slug, snug. Use that drill bit once or twice and all of a sudden, the pin's not going in again. So you're in the middle of a project. I mean, you've got you've got five or six knives to you know to, to do. They're all the same. So you 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 going through them all, and all of a sudden, that same drill bit is just a different size. And I've had enough of it. I've had enough, and I can't find good drill bits that are going to last. And and these these are specifically for wood, so they've got that you know that Brad point on them. You know, so you can oh, yeah. get your get your point every time. There doesn't seem to be a manufacturer of good Brad Point drill bits. I'm just fed up of just going through so many, so many. So yeah, shitty drill bits. It yeah, it's it's a big problem in my life. Yeah. Drill bits are brutal. I I, mm. I thank God Corby Corby's make uh, a drill bit that's exactly to the size of the drill bit. I to the Corby, otherwise I'd throw, mm. I'd throw the goddamn thing in the garbage. Mareka, mm. what do you got? Well, for me this week is armchairing motherfuckers. Uh, after I forged that chef's knife out that ended up ultimately going sideways on me, uh, you know, I forged it out really tight to dimension, and um, I, I had a few messages, people saying, oh, was that, well, and maybe it's me reading it the wrong way, but I read it as, oh, was that by hand or was that a power hammer? It's like, my first thought was like, what the fuck does that even matter? And then what do you have to say about it if I was one way or the other? And so I just, it, it gets really, I get really pissed off and frustrated, especially when people start bugging my ass about how I did stuff. Did you do that by hand? Is it by press? Did you use your press? I, I don't know. Yeah. It just drives me nuts. Look, so you know, everybody gets it. And I, I'm actually going to double up. I'm going to, this is going to be a double Jamaican beef patty beef because this is like, I'm going to do the same thing. I, everybody gets it. I remember a couple years ago reading Liam, Liam, Liam Hoffman did a video of him forging. And somebody says, you know, if you if you had a different hammer or, you know, you should really consider oh looking at your, you know, your, you would have more efficiency in your swing. And he wrote back, why don't you show me a picture, a video of how you swing and then I will tell you how you your swing. These people are so crazy. And I'm I, I it's like it's totally crazy. And I will say this about the armchair guys. And then I'm going to go into my quick uh, story is the worst is. When I get criticism or suggestions about my swing from a stock removal guy, 
You want to see me go out of my mind? And we say this all the time. We are the best. We are so good at saying, there's nothing wrong with stock removal. We're with you. There's no difference. There's no difference. There's no difference. There's no difference. We're with you. However, I don't need a stock removal guy telling, giving me suggestions and forging. That you can just fuck off. That is just like, hey, man, I, all my goodwill is about to fly out the door. But uh, in regards to a funny thing that happened to me this week was I, I when I'm making knives, I uh, sent a picture of some work in progress knives to their customer. And the customer was super psyched. You know, I show the different stages and they're not complete and they get to see the whole thing. So the, the guy posted the pictures of the work in progress knives. He didn't use all the terminology that I did. He just put them up. And one of his chef friends wrote back he saw the knife it was the knife with the scales on it the corby bolt sticking out not carved the it, you know the scales are on flat it looks it clearly looks for a knife maker it clearly looks like it's not ground down the guy goes mm. hey man you should tell he didn't say hey man i said hey man he said hey you should you should tell them to round that because you're not going to be able to use that <laughs> knife gets better gets better gets better he says you're um, you, after 10 minutes your hand's gonna hurt you really need to tell them to round the corners and the edge better yet you should have them like put it. on a tempurpedic handle a tempurpedic handle Mareko, do you know what a temp what tempurpedic is I mean, I know what a Tempur-Pedic mattress That's is. That's <laughs> right. It's technology for pillows and mattresses. So this idiot, who turns out to be a big chef, I've kind of looked into him, he's been in magazines and TV shows and this and that and the other thing. He's trying to be a big shot because he knows how to cook. So what he's going to suggest is go tell the knife maker to put on a Tempur-Pedic handle. So I, I didn't know about this until the guy, you know, the, the, the guy, you know, was like nervous because he, he said, oh, you know, Jeff kind of knows what he's doing, blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden I, said, I get a notification that I'm in this thing and I'm, I'm reading, I'm like, Tempur-Pedic? What the fuck is this guy even talking about? Hey, man. So all I wrote back, I had, I wrote 10 different things. I erased every single one. I wanted to write, I wanted to write a million different things about, you know, mm. shut the, to Tempur-Pedic, oh, shut the fuck up. And I ended up writing, hey, man, just relax. I've done this before. And then he wrote back, oh, I was just kidding, man. He wasn't kidding. These people, they think that they're good at one thing. That means they're good at everything. Mm. Leave it alone. Yeah. Leave these people, leave us alone. Leave us alone. Don't tell him, don't, don't try to problem solve Mareko's problems. He's done this before. He's done this before. <laughs> and he didn't say, what are your, do you have any suggestions on what I did wrong? Some of you guys, you, you're gluttons for punishment. You ask people to give you some, what do you think? What, what's your opinion? What do you think I did wrong? Oh, I don't want, I'm not interested in what any of you have to say. But I'll tell you what, don't go after Mareko and don't, you know, don't talk about Tempur-Pedic and anything except for pillows and mattresses. It's over. Leave it alone. Just watch and, you know, say nice. I mean, I mean, he obviously didn't, he confused Tempur-Pedic with ergonomic. But it doesn't mean, I mean, you know, use your head a little bit. It's true. That's had to have been what he did. Yeah. He obviously, yeah. he didn't want me to have a pillow handle. You know, that's crazy. But, he, you know, these guys, they think oh, they know. These shit. armchair quarterbacks, they think they know everything. Yeah. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. <laughs> Thanks for for bolstering my, my beef. I mean, God, you know, leave Mareko alone. He knows what he's doing. It's over. He knows what he's doing. He's he's being here's what is he really doing? He's being generous with the with his 
you know, real life issues. It's all not perfect. Sometimes things are, go bad. And, and he's being generous with showing you part of his life. He's not asking you to fix his problems. It's like when your wife comes up to you and she's mad about something or bumming me out, doesn't mean she wants to, doesn't mean she wants you to solve her problems. It means she wants to li- you to listen to her. That's it. Keep your mouth shut. Right. There you go. Well, the thing that frustrated me about the power hammer versus hand is like, like the way I read it is as though it was less legitimate if I had forged it out on a power hammer. Oh. And I was looking at that knife and I was like, if I forged that out on a power hammer, I'd be fucking happy. Because that's not even easy to do on a power hammer. But I, did, I did do it by hand. But that's because of the limitations of the equipment I'm working with. But, it, but it doesn't really either matter. way, it's still good. It doesn't you matter. Know? You don't, you don't, you're, you're not asking for, for people to solve your problems. If you do, you do. If you don't, you don't. If you do, you're crazy. But if you don't, you don't. <laughs> and there's that thing about i mean what that guy was obviously trying to say is you know like you just said if it's done by a power hammer it isn't as doesn't have the same value as something by hand that's probably what he was saying but it's it's like tradition isn't it you know there's certain things that have always been done traditionally and there's you know there's a certain art to that and the rest of it but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to make for a better a better product yeah. And, you know, tradition, it can strangle you sometimes. If you're just doing something for tradition's sake, if you want to make the best thing possible, sometimes the traditional way isn't the best. It, that tradition can strangle you. So I think that's what that guy was trying to say. He was like, well, if it's it's a lesser item if, well, you, if, if you haven't done it by hand, which is ridiculous. If the, in the 1800s they had TIG welders, trust me, all the blacksmiths would be using TIG welders to weld up the railings. Let's just be very clear. Oh, sure. Let's be very yeah. clear in regards to all this stuff. There, there, there's a little. It gets to the point where it's just like, all right, we're, you're at the point where you're at the limitations of the technology and the money that you have. Leave them alone. Mm. But it's like, you know, leave them alone. Right, I'm angry now. Temper Pete. Have a good day. Temper Pete. That's my goal: is get you pissed off and say goodbye. Oh, I can't wait to get on that airplane. I'm gonna be all grumpy. They're gonna kick me off. They're gonna kick me off that airplane to Barcelona because I'm gonna be all angry. I'm a Temper Pete. I don't need a Temper Pete pillow. This flight. (laughs) Are we done? Are we all calm? Please, please. That is a show. That is a show. So we shall be back next week. We're not quite sure what's going to happen, who's going to be here, but there's certainly going to be a show again next week. And we shall speak to you then. Bye for now. Yeah. Bye-bye. See ya. Eat it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.